So if you can go over there, especially if you're an Apple user, you'd already be familiar with that. Find our podcast and Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a quick review what you think of the podcast, and we would be very appreciative. Yeah. You know, just something short, like this is the greatest podcast I've ever heard of Daniel and that other schmo. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, changed my life and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just something brief. Like that. <laughs> that would be great. Minus the schmo part. So. <laughs> You're listening to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Balzamo. How are you, Tom? Good. Doing fine this morning. Good, good. And uh, we've just enjoyed uh, a conversation off the air, and now we're uh, starting another conversation on air, I guess we would say. And <laughs> we'd like you to be part of the conversation um, and that by, by doing that, of course, we can't call in right now, but you can write in, and that's at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send us your thoughts, um, any questions you might have, disagreements, or just something that pops into your mind. You say, well, I wonder, wonder about that in life. What, does the Bible say anything about that, or what, what, what seems to be right or wrong there? And we would be glad to uh, entertain talking about that, not necessarily giving you an answer, but helping you to reason through it. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're about here. And we do want to put out a thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. They are the supporters of this podcast mm-hmm. and uh, they help us out with their hard earned dollars. And we do appreciate that you're willing to do that. That really does mean a lot to us. This is one of the things we were talking about before the episode really is we're just blessed by, uh, by the fact that people find this helpful. Yes. Yeah. I really am blessed and encouraged by that. Yeah. And we do appreciate you uh, willing to support that uh, on that basis. So if you'd like to become a supporter, you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, sign up for one of the various tier levels we have there. And uh, you'll be off to the races as part of the Patreon family at Reason Together Podcast. There you go. Um, Additionally, we have been over the last several weeks putting out feelers for hiring an editor for the podcast. Uh, I wanted you to know that that position has been filled. We uh, we did have uh, three applicants to that, and uh, thankfully we've we found one, and and uh, he he's actually already done the last episode. So this is episode one twenty two. If you've listened to episode one twenty one, you might have noticed. If you have a discerning ear, you might have noticed an upgrade to the quality <laughs> because the previous editor, man, he was just a, a schmo, you know, and that guy, he, he was just an amateur, didn't know what he was doing. Um, schmo. I would say we fired him, but, uh, <laughs> but we didn't, we just reassigned him to another duty. <laughs> yeah. Sitting behind this microphone over here. Um, right. no, no, we, we do appreciate Derek coming on board. So welcome yes. to Derek. Uh, as the editor of Reason Together podcast, he's already done a good job, and uh, uh, see if you can hear the subtle differences in quality that he's he's already integrated. So yeah, like do you hear the depth in my voice now? Kind of that manly sound. That, <laughs> oh, okay, well maybe not, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we do appreciate our our other applicants as well. Thank you for taking interest in uh, in helping this podcast. Yes, uh, we do appreciate yes. that. One other administrative detail, and and then I'll uh, we'll get going here. Um, if you have been helped by this podcast, it would really help us out if you could do us a favor. And I don't ask for this particular thing often. In fact, it's been a long time since I've asked for it. But if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and find our podcast there and leave a review, 
and it would be best if you could leave a five star review, presuming yeah, we great. have we presuming we've earned it. Uh, I'm I'm hoping we have, <laughs> but uh, leave us a five star review over there, and don't just leave a rating of five stars. Leave an actual typed out thought through review. It doesn't have to be long, just a quick sentence or two telling folks what you think of the podcast. That would really help us out. Not to get into the technical details too much, but with the way that our podcast is syndicated is through Apple Podcasts primarily, and it is kind of fed out to other platforms as well from there. So one of the things that helps our podcast rankings is to specifically get reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you can go over there, especially if you're an Apple user, you'd already be familiar with that. Find our podcast in Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a quick review what you think of the podcast, and we would be very appreciative. Yeah. You know, just something short, like this is the greatest podcast I've ever heard of Daniel and that other schmo. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, changed my life and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just something brief. Like that. <laughs> that would be great. Minus the schmo part. So. <laughs> uh, is that short for schmuck? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Schmo. I'm, I'm not funny. really sure. Shl- okay. Schlemiel maybe. <laughs> well, how's that spelled? Just like it sounds? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <one> of those. <laughs> All right. Where do we want to start here? Um, um, I'm going to point some of these at you. Let's start with the uh, boring uh, statistical information here first. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a thought on that just so I read the headline, but go ahead. Yeah. This is an article that I saw uh, just this morning, actually, and this is from the Daily Wire. And I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's boring. I actually found this quite interesting to read, but I have some thoughts on it. I wanted to see what yours are. This is an article from the Daily Wire. It says, U.S. church membership dips below 50% for the first time. Uh, it says, the number mm. of Americans who belong to a house of worship has dropped below 50% for the first time since polling began, according to a recent study from Gallup. Americans' membership, keyword, Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend, the polling group discovered. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. They said, the decline in church membership is primarily a function of the increasing number of Americans who express no religious preference. Gallup notes in its report, over the, la- over the past two decades, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown from 8% in 1998 to 2000 to 13% in 2008 to 2010 and 21% over the past three years. Hmm. Uh, Gallup observed that the United States nevertheless, quote, remains a religious nation <laughs> with more than seven in 10 affiliating with some type of organized religion, end quote. Gallup attributed the declining church-going statistic to the rising number of Americans who identify as religiously unaffiliated, noting that less than half, uh, less than half have a formal membership with a specific house of worship. Um, they go on here. Gallup also predicted the declining numbers of the formerly religious, f- formerly religious will continue given the trends among younger Americans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot to unpack there, but uh, what are your initial impressions? Uh, my 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 first thought was, uh, you know, America is just being real. In other words, uh, they're they're just showing who they are mm-hmm. now. Stole my and, thunder. And who they, oh, really? <laughs> 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 um, 
<laughs> sorry, sorry about that. That's okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and and so there, what you said was basically over seventy percent have an affiliation, less than fifty percent have a membership. Yeah, and it's just the uh, the consequence of a a, a prolonged uh, campaign, if you will, of secularization. Um, and and that's you know evident where people are like there's enough confusion in the marketplace of ideas that they're like ah, you know I'm not really into investigating it out I really don't have a yeah. preference one way or the other just whatever yeah. live and let live and so there you go well it said something about people growing less and less likely to have a a preference um, which <laughs> yeah, preference. almost implies almost implies that people know enough to make a decision about what they prefer. <laughs> And yeah. I was thinking about this last night that That's funny. most most people today that would call themselves religiously unaffiliated, I would bet don't even know what the differences are between churches. No, don't have a clue. Other than well this one has a nice feel to it. This one has a nice uh this one has a nice auditorium or this one has nice music. But as far as the actual differences, the substantive differences between churches, people just just don't typically get it. Um well so this is How almost people... presuming that people have the ability to discern <laughs> and one that's church a good from point. another. How many people don't know the differences? And I don't want to slam that too hard because, um, you know, you might be sitting in the, in the pew of a church and somebody says, well, what's the difference between you and a something or other? Well, if you've not studied that, I can, I can understand uh, why you don't know the difference. However, how many people sitting in the pew don't even know what defines them as a body of believers? Like, wh why am I a Baptist or why am I a... You know, what is the defining characteristics or doctrines of the group to which I belong? <laughs> you know, and if you don't know what you are, then you're not certainly not going to know what the differences are. And then how can you have a preference uh, of any substance? Right. Well, I think it's interesting that the article makes the distinction is specifically not about church attendance, but about membership, mm -hmm. which mm. is which is, I think an important distinction because you and I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm presuming you would also think this, that church membership is a good thing mm -hmm. and even a biblical thing. And it's a better thing than simply being a church attender. Right. What do you think, what do you think is perhaps the number one reason for church membership? Why should someone join a church instead of just attending? Hmm. I'd say maybe a couple were sort of bouncing around there. Um, part of me wants to just say your association with them. If you rec if you come to understand what is the church, uh, and there's, and I just recently preached on this, you can kind of see it. We, the debate for a long time has been the local church versus the universal church, and people really balk at the concept of the universal church. I like mm -hmm. I like this term better. You know, the church is a family. Um, in some in some ways, it can be illustrated well as a family. And there's your immediate yeah. family, and there's your extended family. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like I have. My, my kids and my wife, and we are an immediate family, and we share a relationship with each other that, uh, that no one else uh, experiences in the same way. We have a connection with each other. Now, my son's going to grow up, and he's going to get married and go off, and he's going to create his own immediate family. And then my other son's going to go off, and he'll get married, and, and my daughter will go off. And so my kids will go off and they'll create their own individual families who will have that same connection amongst themselves and yet not between each other. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they'll have brothers and sisters and siblings, but, but then there'll be cousins, but the cousins aren't as close as the siblings. And that's, to me, a similar concept of what the church is. Yes, our local church is that immediate family. Mm -hmm. Now, we're related to all the other true churches 
um, we are part of the same family, part of the same body. We are all related to Christ in the same way, but with our local congregation, we have that unique bond, if you will, and an obligation in our in our geographic area of of having an influence. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if someone understands this body, this local body is is what I'm supposed to be a part of. Yes, I'm related. I'm related to all believers, but I'm a part, I'm engaged with this body right here to have an influence right here where we live in our community, then I would say that membership says, yeah, guys, I'm a part of you. I'm with you. And not just, yeah, you know, I kind of like, yeah. you're, you're sort of nice. I like you. You know, you're okay. But no, I'm a, I'm a part of you. And it, and it just, and it demonstrates an engagement and a, and a, and a willingness yeah. to serve because well, some sure. service can't, much service can't be done without membership, at least by sure. our our means of going about it. Well, I had asked a friend of mine one time this question several years ago. He's a pastoral assistant down in Pennsylvania. I said, what is the number one benefit you think of church membership? And the first word out of his mouth without hesitation was accountability. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Um, Yes, to some degree. I'd say that's one major one because you're making yourself, again, you're making yourself a part of the group that says, I'm connected to you now. I'm accountable to you and you to me because we're we're a part of this. And it's not yeah. just, I come here, don't tell me what to do, but no, I'm a member here. And so I'm holding myself to certain um, criteria, if you will, even to say the covenant that yeah. I've, you know, I've said I would do certain things and I expect you as my brother and my close relationship in this ship, in this body to, to be a certain thing. And yeah, so I think accountability yeah. and, um, you know, accountability to to the preaching and to serve it. Yeah, yeah, overall, however you define it, I think accountability is certainly a major factor there that's good. Yeah, and, and I wonder if that may be part of the trend in people attending churches but not joining them. You know, when you look at this article here, it's specifically targeting on membership. People are, they, they according to the article, religious, but they're not joined to any organized church, anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how it is by you, but here there is a massive and formidable trend against organized, and I'm using this term loosely, organized religion uh, mm-hmm. here, that people just will say- generally, just yeah. against organized religion. Wow. Well, here, here it's, it's, um, it's, it's an epidemic, honestly. You can't mm. keep people in churches for any length of time here, uh, at least in my own, from my own personal heuristic. Um, you know, good example of this, we, we, there was a family that had come to our church a while back and, uh, they, they no longer attend because after it was probably eight months or so, I would think, you know, just in casual conversation after church, I asked, so do you, would you guys ever consider church membership? And it got very awkward very quickly. <laughs> and it was just an honest question, right? Not, not trying to pigeonhole anybody. It's just, so you, you guys ever think you'd consider church membership? Within weeks they were gone. Hmm. And what it came down to in conversation was basically that they viewed church membership as a, a way that pastors try to lock people under their authority. Well, and, and you know, unfortunately, they, they likely were in a scenario where that was the case. That is and true. That's not that's not <clears throat> untrue of every uh, pastor. That is true. They had a bad experience with a yeah. pastor who emotionally, spiritually, and I would say psychologically abused them. Yeah. And because of that bad experience... When church membership is brought up, they don't want anything to do with it. They want the benefits of church membership without any of the obligations of church membership. Yeah. And I could see at first when you're a spiritually wounded person like that, I can see the mm-hmm. the value in being a little cautious. Sure. But when it's sure. been years, you know, and you've had time and perspective to think about things, 
Mm. Um, you know, you can't throw out the necessity of biblical church membership just because mm-hmm. you had a bad experience at one. You can't then comport that onto all churches. Mm. So I, I, I think I think we have to to be able to prove to people the actual biblical nature of church membership, right? That it's not just a thing that pastors say you should do so I can have you under my thumb. That's that's not the point of church membership at all. Um, what would you say is our best biblical case for membership? In other words, if, if, if this article holds true for anyone that's listening in our audience, if someone out there is thinking, yeah, I, I don't like organized religion and I, I am attending this church, but I want the freedom to be able to hop around to these other churches, what would you tell them is the best case to be made for settling and joining a church? Hmm. Um, it goes to me, uh, back to the issue, you know, membership isn't to me the primary issue. The primary issue is doctrine and who we are. Well, sure. And, and saying, and saying, you know, look, this is what we believe, and we are a body that believes this, and we hold to this, yeah. and this is what we are biblically. We are, you know, a part of the body of Christ, and you know, so so to say, will you, will you, can you, can you agree with us on this doctrine, and uh, and help us to advance, you know, to to build each other. Obviously, you know, God wants to. Uh, and, and intends to and will build his church, and he wants us to edify and sharpen and challenge and um, and provoke one another to love and to yeah. good works. And, and there's so much that can be done inside the body. But if you just have this loose attachment, you're you're conveying that I'm really not all in on this. I just no. I'm I'm in it for the for the for what I get out of it. But I don't I don't want to commit myself because it's not that important. Right. And so to me, that's what I'm saying is that if, if you feel like you're going to get into a situation where, well, I don't know if I, if I, you know, if this is going to be a dangerous environment, well, we're saying up front who we are. This is our doctrine. And, and you, if you've sat here and you've listened to our preaching and you could sit down and talk with us in our offices and understand what is our personality, what is our uh, goal for the ministry, you know, right. what are our so so anyway, I feel like you could feel that out, and there's always there's always an exit. If you feel like no, they're violating their own doctrine, then get out. Yeah, but but don't say I'm just not going to be a part. Yeah, and of course, you know, presumed in my original question is that you found a good church that has good doctrine. We're kind of presuming that in the question. The question is why wouldn't someone settle down? And for a lot of folks, it doesn't come down to just the doctrine because there's a lot of churches with great doctrine where the pastors are complete jerks. Okay. And, 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 and that's why some people have some caution about that. Sure. And, and sure. that's understandable to a point. But when you found a church with good doctrine, they've got good, uh, um, they've, they've got integrity, they've got principles, they're, they're clear on what they believe. There's a friendly atmosphere. Um, they, uh, they're welcoming, right? They're, they're, they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not bizarre okay i've been to churches where they <laughs> yeah, had that's good <laughs> where they had good doctrine and everything was great but they were just kind of bizarre and they had a weird feel to them and they, you know they're off-putting in some way i think more things go into people's decision than just doctrine alone okay well and that's true that's true so kind of presuming you found a church where they're hitting all the marks right the reason why a lot of people are not pulling the trigger and joining has to do with something you said they're, they're not wanting to commit for instance if someone's been mm-hmm. attending your church for years, but they haven't joined, do you feel the same comfort level, whether you're their pastor or another church member, do you feel the same comfort level with them of approaching them about something privately that may be an issue? I don't, right? Um, 
I, I, I feel fine doing that with, with a church member, right? Because part of, you know, mm-hmm. Hebrews 10, 25 is that we love and provoke one another to good works, right? That mm-hmm. means there has mm-hmm. to be some sort of meaningful interaction between each other at church that provokes each other to good works. But when someone's not committed to the body, when they're not committed to that local church, um, there's less of a comfort I feel with that because I feel like, well, they're just not part of this place yet. Well, right, because you're outside of your jurisdiction because they haven't, uh, they haven't you know, joined in, in a way right. to say that I am now accountable to this body. And I think that is a somewhat maybe subconsciously calculated maneuver on the part of the non-committal Christian that they know that as long as I don't join, no one will ever approach me about anything uncomfortable, at least in some cases. Mm. For, for us mm-hmm. around here, like I said, there's a massive house church movement here. Hmm. Hmm. Like around here, it's massive. It's massive. Really? And I've spoken to quite a few of them. And, and I'm not the kind of guy that shies away from just asking, so, so why the house church movement? Why not actually, you know, join a, an, a local church, an existing local church? Yeah. Why have this yeah, right. weird nebulous thing where there's no pastor and there's no location and you're just kind of floating around and it's not consistent? Why have that? And to a fault, every single one of them had a bad experience with a pastor and now mm-hmm. they believe church membership is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So you see what came first was not, not the doctrine their doctrine that church membership is unbiblical. That didn't come first. What came first was the bad experience they had. Yeah, right, right. Now suddenly, wait, the Bible doesn't teach church membership is what they claim, um, which, you know, they're kind of putting the cart before the horse there. But being as, as, as big as it is, the house church movement around here, I've noticed every single one of them has this non-committal attitude where they don't want anyone to tell them what to do. Hmm. Well, and I, and I think that that lack of, Account, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, okay, membership, say, compared to the why, or uh, locally here we have a, what is it, a Salvation Army, you know, kind of a, you go there and work out on their workout equipment and the pool and things like that, and you would pay, and you'd have to become a member. If you didn't become a member, you couldn't even get past the front desk. Right. You know, where in our church, we're like, well, you get to sit here and listen to the preaching, but honestly, uh, outside of that, you get to attend functions but to do anything, yeah. say, to be a deacon, to be a teacher, to sing in the choir, to uh, participate in this or that, in some ways, it really is limited to those who have committed themselves as members. And so yeah. someone who says, well, I don't really want to do those things is really saying something that I don't want to engage with the church if it means membership. I'm willing to take the benefits that are given to me as a non-member, like listening to the preaching. Right. Well, that's for me. Or, you know, and I may, I may put something in the plate, they, you know, they might think, but, uh, you know, and so just those fringe benefits, they still get, we're not turning them away at the door and saying, um, no, have you paid the dues? No, you're not a member here. Um, but there, but just the idea that I don't want to help out in those other ways. I don't want to engage with the ministry on those levels that require membership, that require an accountability, says something about it already. It does. They want all the privileges of membership without any of the responsibilities of membership. Um, And that's why Mm. I would say the house church movement is a selfish movement. Um, Mm. But the question of whether or not church membership is biblical is pretty clear by the existence of church discipline. So Mm. like when you look at the existence of church discipline in scripture... You can't discipline out what was never in. Uh, there has to be some obligation to a standard along the way. Right, right. So for people to say church uh, membership is unbiblical, well, how do they get around the fact that church discipline exists? Because you can't discipline out what was in, what was never in. Um, mm. So I think uh, going back to the article originally, 
why would we see this trend of people attending churches but not joining them? I think it's because America has a uh, at least professing Christendom in America, and probably some actual right, Christen- right. Christians in America have this attitude of, well, I like going to church, I like the blessings of it, but I don't want any of the responsibilities. And I think that's yeah, a incre- shame. It's selfishness. An increasingly materialistic and consumerist mentality. Right, exactly. Um, they did yeah. say in the article, they said, while it's possible that part of the decline seen in 2020 was temporary and related to the coronavirus pandemic, sure. continued sure. decline in future decades seems inevitable given the much lower levels of religious religiosity and church membership among younger versus older generations of adults, they said. Well, so, and that may, that's, comes as no surprise at all. Yeah. But, you know, I think it, it, it should be a fair point kind of as an umbrella over this entire discussion that this survey was likely done amongst a lot of people who aren't actual Christians. <laughs> um, right. Sure. Yeah. Yes. You know, when we think about um, the professing Christendom, <laughs> Right. We know that there's going to be a, a slim major or a slim minority amongst that group that are actually born again people, regenerate people. Um, the Lord told us it would be that way. So, you know, it shouldn't surprise us. Yeah. And that bothers me when, when uh, say, parachurch organizations, and I'm not totally throwing them under the bus, but I, and they parachurch organizations say, you know, only 30% of the church believes in, you know, and they'll name something. You're like, really? I mean, yeah of the broader church. I mean, what, who are you talking about? Are you, when, we, when we're talking about these, um, you know, huge, this huge quote unquote evangelical movement or whatever that's, you know, appealing to the masses, come as you are, we'll give you the music, we'll give you this nice atmosphere and we'll you know, give you some preaching along the way. Well, do I expect all those people to truly genuinely be saved yeah. and rooted and, and, and have a desire to serve, you know, and all that. So, so when it says, and I don't know the actual statistic, yeah. but I mean, when it says, you know, some great preponderance of people don't believe in a literal creation, I'm like, okay, but, but so. it's such a, it's such a broad spectrum of the church. Yeah. If we really talked about the people that I rub shoulders with, <laughs> the yeah. percentage would be much higher because there's, you know, a, a belief in the word of God. Yeah. Um, well, it's written. like the apostle John said, they went out from among us because they were not of us. They're not of us. Hmm. And I couldn't help but think of that as reading through this article. I, th- I think we often think of that as someone's physical presence, right? They, they leave physically hmm. from the church. That means they were not of us, right? Um, but I think there's a case that can be made that someone's heart should also be in that as well. That they not only went out from among us physically, but their heart wasn't in it either. Okay, that it preceded their it leaving. It preceded physically. their leaving. Yes. So yes. when we see people wanting the benefits of church membership without any of the privileges, in a sense, their heart is not in it. Okay. Mm. And I'm wondering if 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 we should be including that as well in the application of John's verse there, where he says they went out from among us because they were not of us. That this oh, decline fair. in church membership has to do with, there's a lot of people that just aren't really born again. Well, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't mean that that if someone, you know, leaves your Baptist church to go to another Baptist church, right. they're not born again. No, not what but, I'm saying. But as you're, as you're, what you're saying is their heart's not in it. And what you're saying is looking at the overall poll, it's declining because people aren't born again. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are leaving religion because they were never saved in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So why would they have a desire to continue in yeah. religion? Well, I'm growing increasingly convinced over the few years that I've been in ministry that someone's relation to a local church says volumes about them spiritually. Hmm. And it's almost as if the Lord designed the local church 
to be in a sense uh, a visible, a physical, geographical microcosm of what's going on spiritually in someone's heart. Mm -hmm. So it's it's as if you know when when someone is is um, not faithful to a local church, it says says a lot about their heart, right? It, and and I know there's mitigating yes, factors, yes. right? We we have shut-ins yep. and people who can't come to, oh, yeah. to church. Oh yeah, yeah. I realize that. You know, I'm I'm presuming that we're we've got all we're, we're taking a balanced perspective on this. But you know, someone who kind of shrugs off local church membership, I think that says something about them spiritually. Yes, and I see what you're saying. And I think I think on the other side, though, it's not to not to say this equally balances out what you're saying. But I will say on the other side, though, some seem to be faithful it doesn't guarantee that they are the a spiritual church. person correct they're they're very loyal but they may be somewhat shallow yet because it's been hammered into them that you be faithful you be faithful which without really understanding what faithful meant right. and so i think there could even be some who aren't in the eyes of some of us we say well i think faithful is you know being at every service well, that that's that's pretty good. That's a good start. But could somebody be faithful to the Lord without being at every service? Yeah, I think that's a, there's a potential there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, and and then some who are loyal, 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 yet they're kind of shallow in some ways. Yeah, you know, they just yeah, yeah, yes, sir, preacher, yes, sir, preacher. Um, yeah, there's a balance there too. But no, I but that's not to discount what you're saying as far as if people are not faithful to church, it really manifests a hard attitude. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on from that. Um, did you have anything in particular on here that's kind of uh, piqued your interest? Um, there's there's one that kind of runs into the same subject we've just been talking about, kind of an extension of that. Yeah, why don't we just hit that one real quick? Hit that okay. Um, All right, yeah. this is this question from from me here, um, titled "Reasonable Excuse," and um, you have the, at your church the same church constitution that that we have here, with with some modifications, just for sake of language and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a clause in our constitution about inactive members. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it says inactive members are those who without reasonable excuse, neither attend the regular services of the church, nor contribute financial support to the ministry of the church for a consecutive period of three months. And of course, this is a church constitution. This is, uh, it's very clear in the document itself that this is not the Bible, basically, that this is not exhaustive (laughs) of all that we believe the final authority is the Bible. So when you look at something like the church constitution, it is somewhat arbitrarily decided, you know, three months, right? That's that's what's in it, three months. Sure. And it says these words, without reasonable excuse. Mm -hmm. And this, (laughs) this past year, and it always, it grates on me to bring up the pandemic uh, you know, on the podcast, um, I'm just I'm tired of talking about it. But uh, you know, it, this this Are subject you of sick of it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, it says here, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is, I don't know that many people are getting that that reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't say it presidentially enough, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, it says inactive members uh, are those who, without reasonable excuse, neither attend or contribute financial support for three months. Um, reasonable excuse is a word, a phrase here that is it has some elasticity to it. You might say, yeah, intentionally, um, intentionally. So it's mm-hmm. left up to someone to determine what is a reasonable excuse 
to not be in church. And I think for the most part, for the last year, pastors and churches have been, at least from from what I have seen, fairly gracious with people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who've not been in sure. church for like a year. And 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 understand that there are some for which that would be a reasonable excuse. You know, they've maybe mm-hmm. got some health issues, or they're elderly, or whatever. Um, you know, maybe they. <laughs> Their immune system is already compromised in some other way. Uh, that to me would seem a reasonable excuse, right? But to me, and maybe I'm out of line here, but if someone is, you know, middle-aged, they're healthy, they're vibrant, they've, and, and let's say they've even gone far enough as to get vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a topic for a different day. Mm-hmm. But according to all the literature that I've seen, they're saying if you've been vaccinated approximately two weeks after your second shot, right? Because it's a two-shot course. Mm-hmm. That you should be able to resume life as normal with only two masks. Yeah, oh, just kidding. Okay, no, maybe not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, with only two. Kidding, but okay. No, yeah. no. Well, it, even that depends on who you read. A lot of the data suggests that once you've developed immunity, whether whether by either having the virus or by getting the vaccine, then there should be no reason for masks. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and none of the data I've seen supports the continuation of any kind of restrictions after someone has either had the virus and recovered from it or developed immunity by the vaccine. Um, so for me, a young young person who has had all of that, they've been vaccinated or maybe they've had the virus, who's still out of church for like the last year. To me, that starts to look like kind of an unreasonable excuse. Mm-hmm. Am I out of line? Um, no, not really. I mean, I so I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, my mind, where my mind is going is to the conversation. Okay, I sit down at the person's table and I begin to talk with them yep. about, you know, we're missing you at church. I'm aware that you've had the vaccine, the vaccination, and you know, as far as I, you know, from what I can tell, and I'm a, I'm speaking for you in a way. I'm a data guy, and I've looked at the data. I've read, you know, I've read things, and from what I can tell, you're you're out of the water. You're you're looking good. So my question is, is there something you're fearing? You know, can we deal with this fear or is there something that we need to talk about? Has someone hurt or offended you because um, because we're missing you and I feel like there's no physical threat to you being in church anymore? That's kind of the way I would approach it mm-hmm. um, and and see what comes out of it. No, I, I'm just I'm just afraid I'll get sick. Well, can you know, I think it would help us to do a study of fear you know, or, or would it help you Mm -hmm. if I shared some articles with you? What, what would convince you that you're safe to come back? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't immediately say, look, by what I've read, um, you're, you're safe to come back. Uh, you've had the vaccination. So if you don't come back in three months, you're on the inactive list. You know I mean? I would still, I would take. That was my next, that was my next angle on this question is kind of the difference between Andy Taylor and Barney Fife. Okay. Right. There's there's so many so many good illustrations from the old Andy Griffith show, right? That's right. Rule number one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Obey all rules. <laughs> but uh uh but you you know the difference between those two guys there, if you watch the old Andy yes. Griffith show, is that Andy was very relaxed about the specifics of the law. Now he was still a law abiding man, he expected people to abide by the law, but he gave people room. He gave mm-hmm. people understanding. And then there was Barney who would write people up the very moment the, the infraction. Law. Yeah, the very letter of the law, whereas Andy was more of a spirit of the law kind of guy. And I look at our church constitution and I'm wondering, do I lose credibility as a pastor if I don't follow 
the Constitution, if I give more spirit of the law interpretation of it, do I lose credibility the next time I decide to actually act on the Constitution? Well, um, each each guy, you know, I, I think there's a benefit in the elasticity there, and that uh, permits each leader to handle it as he feels led, if you will, by the Spirit, as he feels that he ought to navigate step at a time this situation. Um, I, he'll lose credibility if he's not consistent in his application of it. He, credibility also has to well, do with the person judging you. So some people will say, Pastor, you know, they may bring up in a deacon's meeting, look, this guy hasn't been here and we noticed this. And you can say, well, I've talked to him and this and this, and this is the reason I'm not doing it. And they may say, well, I, I appreciate that you're not just willing to hatchet a guy right away. And so yeah. you don't lose credibility. But now to a strong guy who says, no, man, we ought to be doing this and you ought to put your foot down and blah, blah, blah. You lose credibility with him just because yeah. of their point of perspective. But then is is that maybe the opposite of consistency then? If I'm handling it differently from one person to the next? No, not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. Okay. It's like in parenting, you don't handle every uh, child and every offense the same, though you want obviously a general consistency. Um, you're, there, I think you even give yourself room for some some exceptions. And I'm not putting my finger on an exact one, but I just would I'd say, I, I don't think I could tie myself to a standard and say, well, honey, you did this and you're going to get the punishment regardless of any other circumstance. Well, sometimes the teaching moment, you know, the fact that they, uh, let's say, uh, you know, you know, you're not supposed to stand on the furniture and you stood on the piano bench and you, you slipped off and you cracked open your head and bit through your tongue. Um, and, uh, and you hurt yourself because you stood up on that piano bench and you slipped off of it. Well, sometimes, you know, the physical, the natural consequence was the lesson. You learn not to yeah. do it because you hurt yourself. Sure. Now, do I have to pick you up and say, well, but, you know, in our family code, it says five swats for anybody who stands on furniture. So just a second, we'll bandage that bleed and then I'm going to give you your swats. Well, I don't know that I really need to do that. Now, right, sure. The next time, but next time somebody stands on the furniture, will they be subjected to the code? Yeah, possibly. You know, well, well she wasn't because when, when she fell and hit, yeah. But so anyway, I'm saying there's rooms for exception. I don't think it necessarily mitigates um, uh, that it argue, militates against um, consistency. Right. So to bring this back around to the issue of, of being in church, mm -hmm. it, to, to the illustration we're using, someone is young, they've been vaccinated or they've had the, the virus. They've developed immunity for quite a while now. Um, there's, there's, they have no comorbidities, nothing like that. And it seems to be an unreasonable excuse mm -hmm. to use COVID to not be in church. Um, right. And let's say we've even given grace. We've given room for them to come back. Sure. We've not been immediately, oh, it's, it's been exactly this date. Now they're cut off. Uh, they're an inactive <laughs> member. Let's say we've even given room. Um, mm -hmm. When you have that conversation with them, like what you illustrated earlier, if they're still unconvincible whether it be because of fear or some other reason, if they're still unconvinced that they need to come back physically to church, what then? Um, yeah, I would have to do some thinking on that. I, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure that I would have to have the conversation because also by your bylaws, um, it's if they don't communicate financially with the church. So assuming that they haven't given the entire time and they're not attending, you know, because someone cannot be attending. They can be a shut-in and be sending their tithe in every few weeks. Uh, and they're still communicating with the church right. and they're an active member um, but in that way. But if they haven't been giving and they're not coming and you've already had the conversation and you've given grace, I would imagine that maybe in that conversation you've said at a certain point, um, you know, according to our bylaws, if someone doesn't, you know, doesn't 
communicate with the church isn't it doesn't come to church in a few months they end up being inactive and i'm you know and 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 that's what i'm trying to that that's a small thing of what i'm trying to prohibit here i'm trying to get you involved and trying to get you in a place where uh, you can be in a better place right. but you know that that as a secondary issue could be the case i you know that could have even been mentioned in passing so they know that's yeah. coming and when they come back 6 well, months here, later and they're inactive then here here's my only issue with the way that this is worded in the constitution is that it gives someone almost the perfect loophole so we've had like the perfect storm of things in the last year that if someone wanted to bow out of church because they wanted to use their Sundays for something else. And they decided to stop coming and cite COVID as their reason, but maybe they're just getting caught up on work or they're doing homework or whatever it might be. They could almost just continue sending financial support to the church just as a means of fulfilling the Constitution. And it's almost like the perfect loophole, right? So it's made me question why this is written like this in the Constitution, because it gives someone, in a sense, a way out um, uh, without really fulfilling their obligations as a member. Yeah, I mean, are you assuming by that that someone wants to be, I mean, like, like are they trying to retain their voting rights by giving in, in, a, in a situation like that? They're, I mean, what you're basically well, they're driving trying to, at is- They're trying to, no, what I'm saying is someone can essentially, someone can essentially try and stay on the moral high ground. Not that they're trying to keep voting rights or whatever, but they're trying to stay mm -hmm. in good graces. They're trying not to look like a person who's bailed on church. They're trying to uh, look like a person who should have, who we should have sympathy for and say, well, um, I just, I, you know, I can't come because of COVID and because of this, but I'm still contributing to the church. So I'm still, you know, I'm still a solid member, still in good graces and all of that uh, in good standing. So in a sense, they're trying to maintain good graces and maintain moral high ground when in actuality, maybe they're using COVID as an excuse to, to use their Sundays for something else. Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, being, if they continue giving to the church and they're um, maintaining that connection, it means you still have the right and the obligation to pastor them, which means more than simply uh, praying for them. It means looking out for their best spiritual interest and trying to feed them. If that means a, you know, once every few weeks visit to their home and a phone call to say, I'm, I'm concerned about you. I think we need to be changing this. Or you sure nothing's, you know, I, and at some point it could involve a confrontation because that would be a part of, of pastoring and being the Christian friend to that person. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we really being truthful and godly with them if we never confront the sin? And if you tr truly feel like there's a sin there, um, then confront it, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, are we giving, are we giving them a loophole? Yeah, I guess. But it, um, to me, it, nothing's stopping you from, as a pastor, from confronting them and saying, as a pastor and as a friend, we need to have this discussion that I feel like this is what is going on, you know, convince me different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, but. Okay. Good thought. Good thought. And, I, and I'm sure there's other people out there listening who are probably thinking about this too. Um, especially if they're a pastor, they're probably wondering, well, how, how do I deal with this uh, graciously and, and maintain consistency with our church constitution, but also, you know, give give room and understanding. Uh, this this has been a, a constant thought, I think, on the minds of a lot of people for the last year. Hmm. It certainly has thrown it into a unique scenario, hasn't it? It has. Yeah. Anyway. So, well, it actually looks like our time is up. We didn't have to jump to one of my questions. So, all right, let's save it till <laughs> next time. <laughs>
All right. But we want to thank you uh, again for listening. And, uh, and I appreciate so much as I hear people, you know, say that they love the podcast or they comment on how it's been a help to them. That really is a blessing and an encouragement to us. And if you have any thoughts you want to send our way, something about what we've talked about, your take on our discussion today, or a totally unrelated question that you'd like us to consider discussing uh, on the podcast, then please feel free to send it our way at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and if you do get a chance to go over to our website, that's reasontogether.fm, we have made some changes over there. We've done a complete mm-hmm. reworking of the website. It's got some new visual graphics right on the homepage. It's got featured episodes. And if you scroll down a little bit on that homepage, you're going to see some new things that are going to be up and coming here in the next few mm-hmm. weeks and months at reasontogether.fm. We are very excited about where the Lord is leading this podcast and the advances that we're seeing. We're encouraged by that. And that's really all due in part to uh, your your help with supporting this podcast. So check out reasontogether.fm. See the upgrades we've made there and the things that are up and coming. uh, And we'll be glad for that. Anyways, uh, stay thinking along with us. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.